Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Friday morning, end of the week, August 26th, 2022, the year of our Lord. And we're wrapping up our first full week back on these pastoral devotionals. Romans Rewind, that's what we've been doing, taking 10 or 15 minutes and unpacking a portion of Romans as we're preaching through that book on Sunday mornings. We're taking time to unpack and digest little bits and pieces, themes, verses, words even that we didn't get a chance to spend as much time on that previous Sunday as we might would have liked. And so as we head out of this week and into the new text this Sunday in Romans chapter 11, I want to say a few concluding thoughts about the text that we have been in all week. And of course, Paul is addressing the question, God, are you done with the Jews, with ethnic Israel? And Paul, as we've seen, his resounding response has been, no, absolutely not. And then he proceeds to tell us how God has been raising a remnant, up a remnant of ethnic Jews in every generation, um, even down to the present. And then he, then he closes the passage with a sober note, and he gives us sort of a snapshot of where ethnic Israel is right here, right now, today. And I want to say a few things about that sobering note. And, and let's do this. Let's read the whole passage again, 11, 1 through 10. And then we'll make some concluding remarks that I think will help us as we head into the new text this weekend. Paul is writing, of course. He says, I asked then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So you'll recall that we said on Sunday that the present state of Israel, as Paul was writing, and even as we speak today, is that a remnant has have been saved. A remnant are always being saved in every generation. Now, Sunday we'll talk about how there's going to be a massive influx of ethnic Jews at a point in the eschatological future, but as of today, most are lost. And Paul talks about them in a pretty vivid, descriptive way that's sort of shocking to our 21st century spiritual senses. And he says, go back, look at verse seven. He says, the elect have obtained salvation, but the rest were hardened. And then he's quoting here from Deuteronomy and Isaiah, and he says, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And 
we, we, we certainly talked about this idea, of course, that this is a judicial hardening. It's not an arbitrary hardening. In other words, it's not as if everybody's following God and God randomly, for the heck of it, looks for people to harden and says, I'll harden you and you and you. Um, that, that's not what the scripture is talking about. It's talking about a judicial hardening, meaning the hardening that God imposes upon people is a retribution, a just punishment for them having repeatedly hardened their hearts against him. And of course, we see this in the example of Pharaoh, and Paul talks about this back in Romans 9. But even saying that, let's be honest, there's something internally within us that you know, is repulsed by that, let's be honest. They're, they're, it, it sounds so harsh, it sounds unfair, it sounds unrighteous. Surely, um, this is not the God that we worship. And, and what I want to say two things this morning that I think will help us in this, that, that will display anything but the fact that God is capricious or arbitrary or, or merciless. Number one, we have to remember um, that the condition of humanity is not neutral. The condition of humanity is not predisposed again uh, for God. The, the condition of humanity is exactly the opposite. The condition of humanity is predisposed against God, at enmity at God, in enemies of God. And we don't have to have the Bible to show us the evidence for that. We see it all around us. We see it in the world, we see it in history, our institutions, our governments, but most difficultly, we see it in our own lives, right? We see our own hardened hearts. And knowing that and being reminded of that helps us better understand and appreciate what Paul says here. He just kind of drops it in. But look back at verse six for a second. He says, or I'm sorry, verse five. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. The fact that anyone believes, that anyone trusts God, that God saves anyone is an act of sheer grace. And it's so easy to forget that. Because everything in our culture, in our experience, particularly as Westerners, particularly as Americans in the 21st century, is oriented to this idea of payback, of earning, of, of expending capital and having um, relationships that are very transactional, where what we get put in is what we get out. And so the idea, okay, that we would receive grace having not put anything into the pot with God um, is, so, is so foreign, it's just easy to sidestep it. By the same token, we are so prone to easily overestimate our own goodness and our own ability um, to do good things that we think, surely, surely, there must be something that for those who are trusting in Christ, that's inclining them to God. Surely it must be something within them. Maybe it was their background or their, their moral aptitude or the way that um, they have dug into character development. Surely there's something that is pushing them closer to God, commending them 
to God. But Paul, to both of those scenarios, gives an unequivocal, no, absolutely not. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What makes grace grace is that it is undeserved. It is unmerited. It is uninvited. Those receiving the grace, in fact, the, 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 the grace of God is so powerful that those who are receiving the grace aren't even aware beforehand that they need the grace. It is only by the grace of God that they're aware of their need for grace. And, and my goal here in this time is to say, see how many times I can say grace. But, but, but I encourage you as you head into the weekend, camp out on these two verses. If God accepted us or chose us or rejected us on anything based upon what we've done or not done, we are hopelessly lost in all condition. But God says it's not on the basis of works, otherwise it wouldn't be grace. And we do not live in an economy of grace as it relates to the values of the world. And we, this is the air we breathe, it's toxic to our spiritual lives because we think, we think in terms of fairness and rightness, and if God was God, he would do this, and if God was God, he would do that. And all the while, we are vastly overestimating our own goodness and underestimating our need for grace. The fact that any are saved is just an amazing miracle. Now, well, let me say a second thing about this. I know that begs a question for some of you, because some of you might say, I, I get all that, Pastor Paul, but then why did God create us? Why did he create us knowing that there was going to be those who rebelled against him, or, or, or shall I say, all humanity that was going to rebel against him. Why, why do that in the first place? I just, I don't, I don't understand this. And I think we need to remember something. Paul comes as close as I think any theologian does, right? In Romans nine, by saying, um, one of the things that is displayed that would not have been displayed. Um, if there was not sin, it was the grace of God, right? Jesus Christ magnified, glorified. There's something about Jesus on the cross that's particularly glorifying to God. That's as close as Paul gets. But to the rest of it, it remains a vast mystery, right? Well, why did God have to glorify himself in that way? Why did Jesus have to be crucified on the cross in order to be the supreme display of grace and God's glory? We don't have the answers to that. Only God has the answers to that. We won't know them in this life. And my, I suspect we're going to spend all of eternity having those truths revealed to us in new and penetrating ways forever. So what do we do in the meantime? Let God be God. Just trust God. Let's remember what Paul says in Romans 9. Who are you, O oh man? to talk back to God. Paul, Paul's not trying to, you know, spank us what there. Paul's just saying, just close your lips, worship God, trust him, and be thankful for the mercy and grace that he has shown you. Don't take on the weight of being God. Don't take on the weight of making judgments about what God does or doesn't do. Just rest in the grace that he has given you. And I think if you have that perspective, let grace be grace, then you will be well prepared to hear what Paul is about to tell us in the other 
sections of Romans 11 because we are going to see the grace of God like we have never seen it before when we contemplate what he has promised to do in the future with his people. All right, hope you have a great weekend. I'm gonna pray for us and we'll go out from this place. Lord, just impress upon us grace, the nature of grace, the quality of grace, but most importantly, the object of grace, which is us, but displayed through you, through the death of your son, Jesus Christ on our behalf. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. See you back here on this um, devotional Monday morning.